So, Lord, as we um, as we approach your word, would you make our hearts like clay? Lord, would you um, soften us to hear your spirit moving? Lord, if there's um, impurities in the clay that make us up, Lord, would you cleanse us from all iniquities? Lord, would you put yourself um, in the rightful place in our hearts as the Lord of our hearts? Lord, and would you mold us and shape us to be more like you? Amen. You may be seated. Um, so ironically, we've been in this sermon series talking about learning to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. What this means is that we have a living Lord who sent his Holy Spirit to live in us, and that Spirit communicates with us and prompts us to work with him. And this means that um, the Lord doesn't call us to be in control of everything. He doesn't call us to have all the answers or to understand a perfect system. He just calls us to trust him. And so we're going to trust him with slides this morning, among other things. All right, so we've been looking at dancing, um, and we've looked at seven dynamics of cooperating with the Holy Spirit, right? So we talked about divine love. Everything that the Lord does is motivated by love. Love for his church, love for his people, love for you and I. And so that love draws us to pray. We see areas where we need the Lord's love to shine in, and he calls us to pray. And when we pray, we invite things we, we invite the door to be open for God's activity, and we need to step in with faith that's clothed in obedience. And we receive divine guidance from the Spirit as to how he might want us to cooperate with him. Now, when we receive guidance, it's really important to practice discernment, to make sure that what we're hearing actually comes from the Lord, that it's in line with his character, that it's in line with his word, that it's in line with what he's doing. And when we do that, we welcome the gifts and manifestations of the Spirit. And these things happen in holy moments, pregnant moments called Kairos moments. Now, when you line them up in a list of seven, they look really easy. How many of you have found this theory very hard to practically live into? Like, what does this look like on the ground, right? And so we're moving into a three-part, three-chunk series on obstacles to the dance. So what what stands in the way of us dancing? Why don't we do this well? And so this morning we're looking at the obstacles of depending on people and depending on programs. When we want to depend on the voice of one person or when we want to depend on something we've already seen work, it makes it very hard to walk in the freedom that the Spirit provides us. And so when I was looking at this dynamic, the Church of Galatia came to mind. And so I want to invite us to open our Bibles this morning, and we're going to look at the book of Galatians. Um, and I'm going to be reading Galatians 1, 6 to 10. And then I'm going to hop around to Galatians 3, 1 to 14. But we're starting on page 1806. Now, the Church of Galatia, Galatia is a region. I'll show you a map in a minute. And we see the churches of Galatia first come into the Bible in um, Acts chapters 13 to 14. Paul's going around preaching to the churches in the region of Galatia. Um, Galatia is an area where you've got lots of Jews and you've also got lots of Gentiles. And the church that Paul had planted there was a merge of Jew and Gentile. 
And when Paul had planted a church there, they had seen abundant fruit. They'd been walking with the Spirit. The Spirit had done a beautiful work. But by the time Paul writes his letter to this church in Galatia, Galatia has a problem. And so we're going to read about what that problem might look like. So starting um, with Galatians 1, 6 to 10. Paul says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we've already said, and so now I say it again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or God? Am I trying to please people? If I were trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. We're going to flip the page over to Galatians 3, 1 to 14. Paul continues to talk to the Galatians about what's going on when he says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? And so again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by your by works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you, and so those who rely on you on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God, because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith, and on the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. So as we read, the church in Galatia had begun by the Spirit. They'd seen miracles. 
the gifts were pouring out and they were thriving as a church. But what happened was a few teachers, people who were steeped in the Jewish tradition, began to come and began to say, hey, if you want to be Christians, you, you still have to follow all of these, these programs, this Jewish custom. You still need to be circumcised even though you're, you're a Gentile and you need to do these things. And they were swept away. They were swept away back into a program and back into a system and it created division and divisiveness. But lest we be too quick to throw the Galatian church under the bus for falling apart so quickly, let's think about how prone we all are to good ideas and good advice. So I don't know about you, but my Facebook feed is absolutely full of people asking for advice. We look for recommendations of um, restaurants to eat at, mechanics to take our cars to. Um, we ask our friends for advice on, on like diet tips, like what worked for you, what might work for me. Um, we do all kinds of asking for advice and asking for programs. And I, I don't think it's just isolated to simple things. Um, I'm a sucker for this. We just got a dog, a German Shepherd. And I am on no less than five different Facebook group pages about how to raise a well-behaved dog. You know, like, we, we love good ideas. We love well-tested advice. We love experts. We love to hear from them. Um, and we love to hear about these things in more serious matters, too. We, we love to ask our friends what books they're reading that are helping them grow in the Lord. We love to ask about podcasts that people are listening to. Um, we might even be looking at other churches' websites and thinking, man, how are they doing this? We should, we should take advice from them. What discipleship models have been working? What books have you been following? The issue here, or the, the simple theory here, is that if someone has already done it, and it's gone well, then certainly if I do it, It'll go well. It's a, it's a predictable system, it's a controllable system, and it's a predictable fruit, right? Like, there is no fear involved, there is no courage involved, it's just if I put in A, B comes out. This is how we function. We are so prone to want to know how to get from A to B without any, any problem. And when things start to feel difficult, when we start to face things that we don't know how to walk through ourselves, man, we start asking questions. How do I parent this child? So, does anyone have a child just like mine? Tell me how to parent this child, right? My, my marriage, has anyone had this specific issue with my marriage? Tell me how I'm supposed to fix it. Now don't hear me saying that asking for advice or wise counsel or looking for good resources is bad. But sometimes it can be. And it was a major problem in Galatia. Now imagine if you're a Galatian Christian, right? So maybe you were a Gentile. You weren't raised as a Jew. And this man named Paul came to town and he started telling you about this Jesus this Jesus that lived and walked among the people who loved people, who did miracles, who set people free from sin, and who promised the gift of eternal life and freedom. And you became a Christian. 
and you started being part of this beautiful body of believers that was made up of Gentiles like your neighbors and these Jews that you'd never really been friends with and somehow you were all working in this beautiful body and you were building one another up and it probably looked a little bit like what this room looks like right now, right? So much love and unity and the Lord is doing beautiful things. But as time goes on, one of your Jewish friends gets up and he says, wait a minute. How do we reconcile this this Jewish piece of our heritage with this new thing? I think we better make all of the Galatians be circumcised. And we need to start following these Jewish customs. Because the way that I was raised, the only way that faith works is if you follow this program. And so let's add this program to this new thing that the Lord is doing. Now, before you know it, half of your friends are starting to question if that man, Paul, really knew what he was talking about. I mean, can we really believe what Paul came and preached to us? And as this starts to take root, the church starts to divide and there's fights. Some people want to stick with the Jewish customs. Some people are sticking with Paul. And before you know it, the church is split in half in multiple pieces. The church had failed to see that God was doing a new thing within their community. And out of fear, and out of pride, and I think out of just ignorance, they started to trust in the voice of just a couple people. And they started to revert back into the program. Now, we didn't read it because we I think we could have read the whole letter of Galatians. I love to read the word of the Lord, but I think you would have been bored. Um, but Galatians 2 is, is a specific story about Peter. Do you all remember Peter? Okay, so Peter is the man that in Matthew 14, Jesus looks at this man and he says, Peter, you are a rock and on you I'm going to build my church. This should be a powerhouse of a man, right? Peter was raised a Jew. And we find in the book of Galatians that instead of opening his arms to the Galatians, he had found himself sitting over here at the table of the Jews and refusing to eat with his new Galatian brothers and sisters because of this teaching that has happened. The rock who was supposed to be the foundation of the church and the kingdom of God had fallen back into an old, broken program because of the voice of a few people. It's not always bad to ask for advice. It's not always bad to look at a program. The Lord works through programs. The Lord works through people. But when our eyes shift from him and what he's doing to what's always been done or what's been safe, we eliminate our opportunity to walk into the new thing, this new freedom that the Lord has offered. So you see this. We're we're depending on who is preached These people get up and preach and we believe them. And we depend on this old program that we're used to. You see it with Peter. You see it with Paul. And this isn't a new thing. As I was reading about this and reading in the book of Galatians, I was reminded of the story of Abraham Abraham and Sarah and Hagar and Ishmael. Do you remember this story? So the Holy Spirit, the Lord, in the form of an angel, had come to Abraham and said, Abraham, You're going to be the father of many nations. As many stars are in the sky are going to be your children. But there's just a small problem. You're like really old. You haven't had any kids yet. And so instead of waiting for the spirit to finish what the spirit had started, Abraham and Sarah did what was customary in that age if you weren't able to bear children. 
Sarah gave Abraham her, her female servant to bear children for the family. Why are you trying to finish in the flesh what I have begun in the spirit? We see this with Moses too. Do you remember Moses and that rock that he hit with the staff? Now the thing is, this story happened twice because the first time the children of Israel in the desert are crying out for water and the Lord says, Moses, go and go in front of them and take your staff and hit the rock and water will pour out. And so Moses does it. Just a few chapters later in Numbers, the children of Israel are crying out again and they're even more angry and more angsty and they say, Moses, give us water. And so Moses goes before the Lord and the Lord says, Moses... Stand in front of the rock and tell it to pour forth water. But Moses is frustrated and he's angry. And he liked how it was done the first time. And so he takes his staff and he nails that rock twice. Why are you trying to finish in your flesh what I was going to do in the spirit? And the Lord does pour forth water because his people have needs. But Moses never got to walk into the promised land because he finished it on his own. It's biblical, it's historical, it's how we're wired. We don't like to take risks. We like we like to do what we know will work. I think some of us, I know that I have pride and I would like to figure it out myself, quite frankly. It's a real thing. Or I think for many of us, we're just really afraid that someone won't show up. That the Lord won't show up. That he won't move if I don't follow the right program. Now we are so still prone to this. And I got to tell you, I think one of the most beautiful and worst things about preaching is that it's quite often that the Lord doesn't let us preach a sermon that we don't have to embody. And so this week I've been writing a sermon without Pastor Dave to hold my hand. I don't get to depend on him this week. And I'm preaching a topical sermon, which they didn't really teach me how to preach in in, uh, seminary, so I don't even have a program to look at. But we trust the Lord. Now what are the fruits of trusting in people and programs? And this is fascinating for me to think about. So we see, we see in Galatia we've got this division and this confusion and the conflict. We've got Peter falling apart and the text tells us in Galatians 2 that even Barnabas, the son of encouragement, follows Peter. Because you follow one person when you're not looking at the Lord. What happens in our lives when we follow people or programs? How many of you have asked for advice from your friends and you got like four different opinions? <laughs> okay. How many times have you read books that contradict each other on what to do about very basic issues? People are fickle. Fickle means like their minds change. And it's really based on like opinion. Scripture tells us that we are fallen. Um, we don't choose well. And programs, the reason that the program of the law failed for the Jews is because humans were incapable of perfectly keeping the law. We are incapable of perfectly keeping any given program. Like if we were to open a book of how to build the perfect church, like if we had every bit of instruction, we would still do it wrong. This is why Christ Jesus died for us. So here's the thing. Paul spends the rest of the letter first explaining who he is and why they should listen to him. And then he goes on to talk about Jesus. Because Jesus is the answer to all of this. 
So if people can't follow the law perfectly, if they're prone to failure, if we're prone to be fickle, God in heaven sends down his son to die on this cross. And when Jesus Christ, before he died, looked at Peter and said, Peter, I'm on you I'm going to build my church, he didn't say, hey, Peter, here's a book, here's a manual. On this, you're going to build my church. Or, hey, Peter, you're going to live forever. And on you, personally, I'm going to build my church. See, when Jesus looked at Peter, he knew that after he died, he would send his spirit to live in Peter. And that his spirit, alive in his people, is what was going to build the church. Peter wasn't a slave to a system. We aren't a slave to a system. But we have the spirit of the living God inside us who is willing and able to guide us. And he loves to do new things. What God did with Jesus is a new thing. What God did in Abraham was a new thing. What God did in Moses is a new thing. God works within the parameters of his character. He works in the parameters of his word and his goal to build his kingdom here on earth. But he does new things with new people. Galatians 5 says, For it is for freedom that you have been set free. Paul goes on to talk about how we're part of, we're part of this body of believers. We've been adopted as sons. A couple weeks ago we had this word, you are not a slave, you are a son. You are a child of the living God. So as I was working through this, I had this picture of an old map. Now imagine if you personally are looking at your life and you're saying, Lord, where am I supposed to go with my life? What's my life? And you've got a very old map. Is this map helpful to you? It might be for a little bit. But imagine if there's constantly new roads being built. Is this map helpful to you? The Holy Spirit's like a GPS that can predict and know what these new roads are, and he's willing to give them. So we think about this with the church. It's one thing that I love the most about Gold Avenue Church is we ask the Lord how he would like to build his church. We hear a lot about that, but I think that this boils down to each one of our individual walks as well. I think when we're facing difficulties, the Lord cares enough to answer. He's made you free. He's made you a child, and we need only ask. It's okay to do research, and it's okay to ask for wise counsel. God does work through programs. He works through books. He works through people. But are we asking him for a patterned way with predictable fruit? Or are we asking him for what he promised, which is exceedingly more than we could ever ask or imagine? Just think about that. Exceedingly more than we could ask or imagine. I was reading through my Facebook feed, which I clearly need to stop doing. And I came across this Tim Keller quote that said, Is it really smart to obligate God to operate according to our limited wisdom? Our churches aren't made to be cookie cutters that we've designed, nor are our lives. And I believe this morning the Lord would say to us, Don't look to people. 
Don't look to a program. Don't look to a system. What is your need? Bring it to me. I have answers. And I have a plan. And I have exceedingly more. Exceedingly more than you could ever ask or imagine. Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you that you made us each unique. And I thank you that you have good plans for each one of us. Lord, and I thank you that you promise us more than we could ever ask or imagine. And so, Lord, as we respond to your word, I ask, would you, would you bubble up the things in us, the areas in our lives where we're bowing down to thrones of other people and thrones of other ideas? And would you help us to bow down to you alone? Lord, and to seek you as Lord alone. Lord, would you speak to us? Would you guide us? And would you make us those who are ever, ever seeking you? Amen.